This is why we love them. Aren't they the best? The very, very best. Greg Oliar and the lovely LB reading a table read of a taped conversation, a real taped conversation of GOP leaders admitting everything we've all known for a very long time, that they know that the Russians messed with the elections and that they know that the Russians are intervening in our country every day, in our politics, and that they don't care about it. They also seem to indicate that uh, some of their key players, including the former president, was on the payroll of Mr. Putin probably still is would be my guess. So um, we've asked you for the after show descriptions in six words or less. We had some answers up earlier on. I'm going to pull up a couple more that just came up. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to, have to wait till the next segment. But maybe I will. Maybe I will. Okay, so I'll tell you some of them, even though they're not showing up here on the screen next to me. One of them says, it's what CNN isn't telling you. That's Jen Griffey. I actually really like that. I think I might even adopt that as a plug or as a tagline. And then there's also informative, silly, silly, ah, silly, deep diving, ranting history. I don't know who sent that in, but thank you very much for whoever did. Narrative after show insight to our times, Martha Salinas says. And narrative, smart news, digging deeper. Oh, that's very good. And then there's one which is really, I mean, the best alliteration you've ever seen in your life. The triumvirate triad triangulation from Ms. Ann Thorper. All of that on the after show. So there you go. Now you know a little bit more about our hard-hitting next advertising campaign. You've been participating in a focus group, apparently. So let's get on with the show. One big highlight of the show for me, which I just recall because I love the graphics for the show, and also the amazing guest that we had on. Nina Burley was on the show a while ago, and she was talking about the Trump women, and particularly how the Trump women, uh, some of them, uh, seem to originate from Eastern Europe. And that was interesting at a time when it wasn't so easy to leave Eastern Europe. And so, you know, here's a very interesting take that uh, she spent a little bit of time talking to us, to LB and Greg and myself, about the Trump woman. This is Nina Burley. About it. I mean, they're, you know, his family, the women in his family are immigrants and they are, um, you know, Elvana and Melania are, um, you know, Eastern European. Uh, they, Melania arrives here during a period of lots and lots and lots of Eastern European women coming over here fully commodified. Ivana arrived here from the Czechoslovakia in the late 60s. Um, my sources in Prague don't understand how she was able to get out if That's she didn't right. have special access and special. And, you know, if you look, people don't pay much attention to her, Ivana, even though she, mm. she's the mother of his children, partly because you know, we're all going along with, you know, he can't be photographed with somebody his own age. A woman his own age cannot be in the same frame with him. She's like his Dorian Gray. Right. But she <laughs> was a beauty. She was a sylph and, uh, you know, this lissom blonde. And she comes over here and she lands this, uh, you know, Queens boy with, who's on the up in Manhattan. And she habituated him to the Slavic world. He would have never gone to Russia in 87 had he not been with this collectivist educated Russian speaking woman. So maybe future historians will pick it apart. The the files on her, the secret police files on her in Czech Republic have mysteriously disappeared from wherever they were supposed to be. But then there's also the mother. There's lots of Marys and Mary Anns in this uh, in the world mm-hmm. of the Trump. So so if you see a lot of that name floating around, you know why. But um, also an immigrant from Scotland. And I think to everyone's surprise, at least my surprise, she's not wealthy at all. She was just a relatively poor immigrant. No, she was the 10th child of a fisherman's family. And she came from the Isle of Lewis, which is closer to Iceland than London. Donald likes to say that his mother was on holiday when she came here. 
Nothing could be further from the truth. In those years, in the 20s, the great families of New York liked to have household help from the British Isles. And her older yep. sisters had already come over here and were working with and in fact married to the butlers and from the UK or you know the British butlers and, and Scottish maids and, and cooks and chefs and Marianne McLeod was her name arrives here at the age of 17 probably has an eighth grade education and her first residence was in the Carnegie household Carnegie Andrew Carnegie's widow one of the wealthiest families in the country and she was part of a retinue of 20 servants, butlers, maids, even footmen. She even had footmen, Louise Carnegie. And so his mother had this, I think, obsession. I mean, he's written about it. She was obsessed with the royals, and she was exposed at a pretty impressionable age to this, Amer the closest thing that America had to royalty inside the house, you know, polishing the banister in this mansion. And she passed down whole to Donald his taste for guilt and lux and, you know, the gilded tea and the fake coat of arms down and, you know, th this need to appear to be part of that class. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's kind of the rosebud of him, I think. Yeah, I think you're so right. And just to hit on those two notes that come with that are sort of a sycophancy, right, of having Absolutely. to be uh, feeling better about yourself because you're surrounding yourself with wealthy, powerful celebrity, all that stuff that we know from all the people who knew Donald and know him still, that he just hungers for celebrities to fit in, hungers for other big wealthy developers to fit in. We'll do anything to just be accepted by that um, and have that be the reflection for him. So that's and yet he's come to power as a populist leader and a guy and who's, who's, you know, going to drain the swamp. And, and he has contempt for them. Everybody that's around him knows he has. Look at what we just learned out of the uh, Olivia, right? You know, he said that I don't have to shake the hands of those disgusting people with the COVID. So, yeah. um, since COVID's out there. So, and now in the greatest is, irony of the world, is. he is one of those disgusting people. So, now he, <laughs> he is. He came. Well, contempt. Just, he came there. Climbers. They're social contempt. climbers, the Trumps. Mm -hmm. You know? Constantly yeah, contempt climbing. for your con contempt for your public is a um for the people really is a a facet or an attribute of the um authoritarian of the dictator. Mm. I'm reading this. I'm actually reviewing Ruth yeah. Ben Giat's book Strongman. I don't know if you've had her on or oh, are familiar man. with her. I am reviewing it this weekend. I just oh, read great. it today and that's one of the things, you know, he, there's so many, so many similarities between Mussolini, Hitler, um, Mobutu, Berlusconi, Putin, and Trump, Orban. I mean, there are so many similarities. It's a playbook almost. And one of the aspects is a loathing for your people. And that's why he could go out tear gassing, you know, in Washington at peaceful protesters just for a photo op. Mm -hmm. They all seem to have it. I was watching Donald Trump Jr. at an indoor event yesterday. How do you hosting an indoor rally? two days after your father just came out of hospital for um, coronavirus. And you've got like, you know, a hundred people in an indoor um, room. It wasn't that busy, but it was busy enough. And there's certainly no masks or social distancing. It blows me away, the lack of respect they have. And this continued, you know, farce that they'll put on until the, until God knows what, until, uh, you know, they'll just keep doing it. They'll just pretend nothing is going on and that he's healthy and he's clearly not. I just, it blows me away. So after that came Ivana. 
right? That would be the next yes. woman in life who, who shaped his thinking. And she's really interesting yes. to me. Because LB actually told me once that uh, I didn't know this much about Ivana until you told me that she really was the big reason his casinos sort of blew up um, and did so well, or did so well in their terms. They made a lot of money out of the casinos because she ran the casinos. She was good at it. Yeah. She was the only one that was good at it. <laughs> she was actually a good business um, person. Know, yeah. She ended up being really good. And they he brought people from, not him per se, but the money behind him and the men who were surrounding him and using those casinos for their business had brought some of their executives out of Vegas and placed them around Donald. And there was that in the casinos and there was a lot of, there started to be friction between Ivana and these men who were seasoned executives, but she did know what she was doing and it was difficult. She also ran his, a little bit of time that he had the Plaza Hotel, she was running that. So yeah, she started off as as the VP of uh, interior design, apparently. And she comes from um, Czechoslovakia, but a part of it that's pretty remote, apparently. Yeah, so she comes from a a shoe factory town, uh, the Bata Shoe Company, which, and he's he's an interesting cat, actually. Pre-World War II, he was kind of like the Henry Ford of European shoemaking. And he was doing all sorts of experimental things. Corbusier was over there designing factories for him and factory housing. And it was a real working man's, working man and woman's town. And uh, her parents worked for that company. Even after it was within the Soviet sphere, they still were making shoes there. And um, she escaped it, Mm. you know, through her skiing ability, which if you go there, which I did, it's on this eastern edge of Czech Republic. Now, it used to be the center of Czechoslovakia, but now it's on the eastern edge of the Czech Republic up against Slovakia, near Slovakia. And it's it's flat. Mm. It's like Illinois, where I grew up. In fact, it reminded me a lot of Chicago, like kind of, you know. wow potato-eating people who aren't very stylish. And that's where she grew up. And she couldn't possibly have been a fantastic skier there. I mean, you could see where it was. And there was a little ski hill. Um, people, they did kind of go, the families would go into the nearby, there were sort of the, the foothills of the Carpathians, and they would take their kids up there and hike up because they didn't have ski lifts or even ropes and they would ski and that's where she learned to ski and she really wasn't that's not the only reason that she was getting in and out of Czechoslovakia when she was getting in and out of Czechoslovakia at least that's the opinion of experts in the the secret police she was a spy in Prague I mean she was a spy or at least on a sign like a honey she was a honeypot I mean I think a lot of these women could be I mean at least they're people who they're go Nina go tell the truth somebody could pick up the phone and ask her you know what's going on with that capitalist or can you bring him over here I mean there maybe you know it's they're not all like Bond girls. I mean, mm. Melania, if you had a line into Melania and you were Putin, you could just pick up the phone and say, you know, what's he, how does he feel today? I'm not saying Putin picks up the phone. I'm, I wouldn't sure, be surprised if, if he does. If somebody, they have a really know. good relationship. I mean, certainly not. I certainly have no idea whether mm. she does or doesn't. But I mean, I'm just saying that these wives can perform work they perform a role you know ruffin's wife right that that you know nice super hot miss ukraine i mean what are you doing with an 87 year old troll 
Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. And Melania too. You can, those women can, they're beautiful. They can get mm. hot men. Mm. <laughs> right? It is it, well, it's one of the reasons I wanted to do the show because I think, you know, people like to think of, of Trump as yeah. being moving into this role. Maybe he was volunteering for it. Maybe he sort of stepped into it because he really wanted it. And I'm not excusing anything because I do think he was a willing participant. But I also think these women were surrounding him at different times of his life or sent to him at different times of his life. I don't know which is the truth, but they're not just what they claim to be, which is just models or whatever. There, there may be honey pots and there may be honey traps, but he's a willing participant in those honey traps. But it's sort of it's easy to gloss over them. It's easy to say that the women are not guilty. Yeah, but they're not right. decorations. They're yeah. actively involved they're not decorations. in grooming a, a traitor. They're handling him. Mm-hmm. I'll handling. say it. Handling. They're handling him. Exactly. Now, the Phil Ruffin thing, we were getting that question. I was looking, who is Phil Ruffin? Who is Phil mm. Ruffin? Because we haven't done a lot on him. And I think we should do a lot on him. I just want everyone to <laughs> go and look at the pictures of Donald Trump in Moscow for the Miss Universe pageant that's got all of that reporting around it. He was there with Phil Ruffin. Mm-hmm. Why is Phil Ruffin with him? On that Phil Ruffin flew him over there for that oh, really? pageant. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's right. On his it plane. Was that plane. It was his plane. See, this is why we love the after show. You don't get that anywhere else. And a genuine conversation between four people who've done a lot of research on Trump Russia. And I love LB coming in there and saying, let me just say what everyone's thinking. They're handling him. And in fact, we know now that he was in fact a asset since the early 80s. Uh, for the KGB. That's another thing we found out on this show when Craig Unger was here. First, to tell you that there is proof that he was, in fact, asset for Russia. Maybe he wasn't a willing asset, but he certainly was on their side, considered an asset from as early as the early 80s. And clearly there we see a pattern where he might have been handled by uh, several women from Eastern Europe, some of which may have been good at skiing, some of which may have not been good at skiing. But Nina, I got to say, I'm really impressed that you took the extra time to go and uh, and visit the location where uh, Ivana did her skiing, because that's really hard work. I'm sure it must have taken an enormous effort to get to, to the Czech Republic and all the way up there to their famous ski hills and enjoyed their potato eating, as they seem to do. What do you call them? The potato eating people. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> all right. So we're almost done the show, but I've got one more great segment. You've got to stick around for because it's one of my favorites from uh, the last few months. A lot of people telling us what the after show means to them in six words or less. I'm going to say that my favorite is, and it's what CNN isn't telling you. So Jen Griffey, I'm going to send you a new narrative cap. By the end of the show, I may have even found it and brought it to you so you can see what it looks like. So maybe that'll be the new tagline. Thank you for participating in the focus group. Otherwise, just thank you for being here tonight and keeping me company because it's a little lonely without those two, you know, it's not not the same, but they're here in spirit and they're here on tape as well. Here's the next segment. You know, earlier on, Albeit spoke about this one. It's a really funny segment. One of the best rants of all time, I think, of all time on all TV is the uh, Royal Rant by Greg Oliar. It certainly was one of my favorite from the after show. I bring you Greg Oliar and a weird history of, oh, a weird telling of history. Here we go. As an American and as a creative person and as an individualist type person, Mm -hmm. the whole idea that somebody's born to be some kind of ruling over us is such fucking bullshit. I hate it. It is anathema to everything that I feel in my bones. And yet it is ingrained in all the literature, all of the literature, going back to literally the dawn of literature, because the first thing that people wrote down was this is the son of Tralala, who was the son of the Gagaga, who's the king of the asshole. That's it. So he got that person, he got this jerk. 
but it's six oxen and it's just bullshit. And you look at these monarchies, man. Yeah, they have money, but they're inbred as fuck. They are inbred. Charles, Google Charles II of Spain, everybody, when this is done. Look at a picture of this is done. Of a possible, I think it was, what is it, 64, if I'm doing the math right? He should have 64 different individuals in his, like, you know, genetic yeah. forebearers. And of a possible 64 spots, there was, like, 20 people. So he's he had, like, webbed feet. He was such a fucking mess, this guy. That ended the Habsburg rule in Spain, okay? Then the other Habsburgs were inbred, so they had that big Habsburg jaw, mm. which is... This happens when when there's inbreeding, recessive weird shit happens in your because that isn't supposed to come out because dominant genes over override it, but two recessive genes from inbred comes out, right? That's why all these royals have hemophilia. We had a situation in Russia yeah, where Queen Victoria was a carrier of hemophilia and gave it to every goddamn family ruling, you know, royal family Ooh. in Europe oh, just about. Right. Okay. And it came out where Nicholas II of Russia's son, Alexei, the only boy, because God forbid they, that one of the women should be uh, in charge, even though the women in Russia historically who have been in charge of it much better than the men. Yeah, that Catherine. Fact, okay? She was good. And, and, and Elizabeth was also. Anyway, so this kid had hemophilia, and they didn't know how to, what to do because every time he, like, you know, stubbed okay. his toe, oh, no, he's going to bleed to death. And, and that's why Rasputin showed up, this seven-foot-tall weird mystic guy, because for all the whatever about him and all the – for some reason, he was able to help the kid's hemophilia and stop the bleeding, and nobody else could do it. This isn't hmm. crazy. This sounds like a like a. I didn't know that. Movie. I didn't know that about it. Just no, it's that's true. Really interesting. That's why they cut this asshole around. So you have a thing where this sickly kid, who's inbred and therefore there's a problem that he shouldn't have. Okay, um, has to be treated by this seven foot tall weirdo mystic, who's moved into the, the goddamn palace because Nicholas II, who was cus first cousins with the goddamn King of England, who he was at war with, decided that because he was the czar. He was a better general than all the generals and completely fucked up World War One so badly for Russia that the Bolsheviks took over and just were like, all right, we're done. Are we you got to end this shit. Because of him. Okay? Yeah. That, yes. okay. that was brilliant. I'm sorry. Oh that was the like, weird history of the world by Greg Odeon. And everyone's uh, here like, oh, uh, it's, the, it's the royal. Oh, is it going to be William? <laughs> is it going to be the kid of the Dada? And they're all... They're all they're, these are people are all German anyway. They're not even really Why British. Why are they, they German? Just came there. Oh my god! The, 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 the Romanov, you know, Catherine came over there from Germany, <laughs> killed her actual oh Romanov husband, and had kids with God knows who. So oh, none really? of the Romanovs are even Romanovs anymore. Probably, and it, the whole thing is crazy. Because they're they're not really British, right? I mean, they're sort of like they're 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 Gotha von Sachs. They're they're, they're they're Germans. That's why they were okay with yeah. the Nazis. Edward the Edward the Eighth. Okay who was king for like a, a week and a half yeah. uh, before he decided to, to, to marry, to, to abdicate the throne, to marry the <laughs> twice-divorced American Wallace Simpson, comma, a Nazi spy was <laughs> fucking the German whatever. Ben uh, they wanted, the Germans wanted to get that guy 
uh, to install him on the throne during the Second World War, thinking that, you know, because he's the monarch, he would then ally with Germany and neutralize Britain as a threat. And this was such a serious thing that they sent him to, like, Bermuda during the war. And FDR really? put dudes on him. FDR sent people to Bermuda yeah. to keep an eye on this stupid asshole with his twice-divorced American wife. Wait, so this was only, like, uh, within the last hundred years. We're talking about recent yeah, history. 40s. Yes. Yeah. Still, yeah. That was so powerful if this then. Guy, if this guy decided not to abdicate to marry yeah. this Maria Butina of her time, <laughs> Wallace Simpson, oh. uh, Queen Elizabeth... Oh. Yeah, well, Queen Elizabeth uh. would not be queen because she's the whatever anyway the whole thing is crazy but they, but they, they, was, they really the are books. more powerful than oh, we realize they really are. you're the father of this person and the dada of that person at least in america we try to have monarch you know we <laughs> we like it we like the idea of dynasties oh george w bush must be well, because his father is a bush and now we have this yeah. george prescott bush you know we like this shit but at the end of the day, here you can the, the name helps, but you have to be good at what you do at least a little bit, or else what happens is, uh, what happens is you wind up like Matt Gates. <laughs> that is the best punchline ever of the greatest rant ever. Greg Oliar wins television forever for that rant. That is really, really fantastic and really interesting as well. You learned a lot of things there. The jaw, hey? Who knew about the jaw? That is the after show for this week. Thank you very much for being with me tonight and uh, also with LB and Greg. I miss you guys. Please come back. We'll hopefully have you back here next week. We deserve a good, fulsome show from all of us next week and maybe some rants from each of you. Thanks to everybody uh, on the chats for keeping me company and the winner, Jen Griffey, of our six words or less description of narrative, which is now, it's what CNN isn't telling you. Have a good night, everyone. We'll see you again Tuesday. Narrative is made possible by viewers like you. Join today and support truly independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative. That's patreon.com forward slash narrative.